Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Joy today, he's a type one diabetic DJ and entrepreneur. It's Cody Verhulst. How are you doing today, Cody? What's going on? Happy to be here. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what did you like to do when you were growing up? Yeah. So born and raised Plano, Texas, uh, class of 2013, Plano East, Co-Panthers. Born into a family of DJs, actually. So outgoing, personality, fun. I mean, that was how I was born and raised. Uh, Started my first time ever DJed was my uh, seventh grade dance, to be honest with you. Yeah. So uh, I was kind of a, I'm a a big guy, hard to tell through the camera, but I'm six (laughs) foot seven, right? When I was a kid, I was big, but little, so a little chubby. And then I did my first DJ gig and that was it, man. I was uh, a changed man. A lot of uh, confidence comes with getting in front of, especially in seventh grade, your peers. Yeah. And uh, playing music and get on a microphone. And uh, seriously, that was, I mean, that's something that I hold dear to my heart. Cause that was, that was the first day of the rest of my life uh, where I really got a lot of confidence and man, uh, from there I grew six seven inches between sixth and eighth grade i was like bambi after that and then i always played sports i was always a big sports guy uh big guy uh, i love football love sports in general teams um got to play football uh, for uh, high school and then was recruited to play division one at the air force academy uh while I was there, even before then, I kind of had a lot of, I had a lot of concussions and so traumatic brain injuries, like that's what ended my career at the Air Force Academy. Great time there, met a lot of people. Uh, that was very, a very humbling experience as well. Uh, but then came home and transferred to the University of Arkansas while I was there, uh, got my coaching and business education degree. Loved my time there, was a Fiji and the fraternity, enjoyed being there, DJed while I was there, take that back up, kept going after sports and kind of recovering from all the injuries and uh, started working at the recreation center, the hyper, all the hype squad, Uh, became a student manager there and then learned how to be a graduate assistant. My boss introduced me. They're great. They taught a lot of leadership management skills. Uh, took care of us and fired us. They told us about grad assistantships. And I was like, what's that? You know, <laughs> I'm the first in my family to go to college, at least with my mom and dad, uh, to try and get a master's degree and then learn to get it free. It was like, hell yeah. Wow. Hell yeah. Let's do it. Um, went to apply to different, a few different places. Uh, got a graduate assistantship at the University of West Florida, where I worked uh, facility operations graduate and uh sorry, special events. So kind of could mix the DJ party, uh, you know, set up event, set up breakdown, strike up, uh, managing a team, you know, trying to grow some great leaders there at UWF and our staff. And then uh, enjoying the life out in Pensacola, got an MBA and got to study abroad. And then long story short, graduated, got back to Dallas where we were born and raised my sorry I met my wife actually in high school way backtrack we weren't <laughs> together in high school uh but knew each other we're good friends and then all of a sudden get 
you know, go to Arkansas. She's there. We have a great time. Uh, I asked her to move to West Florida with me when I went and got my MBA. We lived in Pensacola. It was an amazing two years. Uh, grew a lot just by being somewhere different, doing a lot of different things. DJed there on the beach too. That was a lot of fun. Uh, and then my wife got her dream job. We aren't married at this point. She gets her dream job here in Dallas at My Possibilities. Shout out to MP. It's a uh, continuing education for adults with disabilities. It's an incredible place. If anyone ever wants to volunteer in Dallas, great place to go and just see something that you can't see anywhere else in the world. It's uh, one of its kind, great facility. I uh, really respect what they do there. And then also, of course, what my wife does there. And so, um, you know, coming here, supporting her. Um, my father-in-law introduced me to my now boss. And so I actually am a reinsurance broker, which a lot of people, you know, probably have never heard of if you're like no. me. Uh, <laughs> what is a re reinsurance? So what we do is we work with uh, insurance companies and we help them, you know, very generically and we help them find capital uh, through reinsurance, whether that's uh, typical reinsurance. So like insurance for insurance companies is a very simplistic way of saying it, uh, but we can also get different types of capital structures and like help start businesses and grow uh, different plans and whatnot. So it's, it's been really neat to apply kind of rather than going to coaching and teaching route, that was what I thought I was going to do. Uh, follow kind of where my MBA would take me and then learning what reinsurance is joining the team at BMS uh, and then having kind of the opportunity that that shows. So uh, now fast forward to a year ago in Pensacola, we were on vacation, vacation. Um, I end up, you know, I kind of feeling bad for a while, right? Like, I don't know, dry mouth, having to go to the bathroom a lot. Uh, was losing a lot of weight and like was super tired all the time. Couldn't like, you know, I'm an athlete. Like I feel, I feel like I'm an athlete at least. Uh, I enjoy, you know, staying physical and whatnot, but I just was so tired. You know, we were on the beach enjoying sugary drinks and fried food and all these different things. And then, you know, really spoiling ourselves with maybe a cookie to go home. Right. Uh, get back to the place, uh, hop in the shower and just like, pass out uh wake up in the hospital to a nurse saying hey man you got type 1 diabetes <laughs> i was like what you know pardon my french i'm not going to say the word but no freaking way <laughs> like i you know i don't know what diabetes is i've never thought about what diabetes is you know i've heard of it you know i've seen things online and on commercials mm. never really paid it attention you know i'm 20 let's see six when this happens wow 26 just wake up in the hospital hey man you got type 1 diabetes and I'm like, what and uh you know really that was exactly a year ago and i didn't even plan it uh but you know really from there it's just been a crazy year uh, uphill battle you know from there it was like obviously learning how to handle what is type one, like how does it affect you? What do you need to do? How does it work? How does it, you know, what's the implications of it? Just digesting all that, understanding it and then fitting it into real life and like handling it every day. Uh, then of course, yeah, I shouldn't say, of course, you know, next my dog 
love her to death. She starts to have seizures. Oh. Yeah. Like maybe a month later. I'm like, oh man, this is crazy. Like what's going on? Uh, then after that, you know, we've got a pretty crazy kind of family emergency going on to where my mom was in an accident. We're kind of just dealing with it right now and seeing where that goes. And like, you know, hopefully all the good vibes welcome, you know, she recovers to independency, but you know, that's the newest challenge right now is kind of having to learn how to deal with that and support the family and keep moving and, you know, know we're all together and just figure it out one day at a time. So, um, not getting too low. Oh, and it's hard to tell. I actually got shoulder surgery three weeks ago. Wow. Yeah. So rising to the challenge right now. <laughs> well, I'm going to backtrack all the way to your younger days. Growing up yeah. in a family of DJs, did it kind of feel the pressure that you kind of had to go into that field in a way? Or was this something that was always your decision to start at a young age? Pressure, I would say, not not a whole lot of pressure for me. I, I would, you know, I think it was just something that we did. You know, that was life. Like my parents worked at the office. We'd go to the office. We'd hang out. I mean, we'd meet cool people. We talked to other DJs and clowns and <laughs> set up bounce houses and you know, like just some. You know, me and my friends one time got paid to be star wars characters for <laughs> for a, a bar mitzvah bar mitzvah like a star wars mitzvah uh another time you know we were a friend and i were dancers and wore like um, tropical outfits you know like just some of the most random things i've this the past few years i've been dj uncle sam at uh glen eagles country club for fourth okay. of july uh so it's it's been such a rewarding thing, like secretly rewarding. Mm-hmm. Yes, there was pressure. There's always going to be pressure, like help out and do what you can. But I always enjoyed it, you know, uh, me personally. So what was your go-to DJ song? Go-to. Uh, depends on the crowd, first off. That's true. Okay. Um, I think there's a lot of different ones you could use, but... I guess DJ Coco, so the guy in Pensacola that always karaoke at the Jellyfish in uh, <laughs> Florida, Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights two years ago. Uh, my warm up was always uh, Amber by Three Eleven. I don't think uh, I've ever heard that song. Look it up. Yeah, now I'm going to now. <laughs> yeah, it's very it's a it's a very kind of smooth, easy kind of warm up, tropical, fun song. Uh, and it always, everyone, typically people who are there would somehow know the rhythm or rhyme to it. You know, it's mm-hmm. one of those songs. So if I had a go-to song as a DJ, it'd probably go with what's my background color right now. The Eiffel 65 blue, the I'm, I'm going to get those wrong. Cause my friend's going to listen the I'm blue. I'm a D I'm a die. Yeah. Song. yeah I know That's, exactly that would be about. my go-to. I mean, it just brings the classic back. I'm that nineties kind of dance pop EDM kind of guy where mm-hmm. I listen to those songs where it's mostly a one hit wonder, but you're always thinking of those songs. When you hear yeah. it, you're like, Oh, that was my childhood, things like that. And I don't even know when that song came out, but 
all my friends are listening to what's going on at that time. Nope, I'm listening to the old stuff. But that, that was just me. That was my family growing up listening to that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's one of the coolest things, you know, being a son, nephew of DJs. Music was everywhere. So, you know, that's just something that has always been a part of what I do. And it's it's always, I really enjoy using it to bring energy, mm-hmm. uh, drive energy, uh, you know, kind of curate whatever the situation is in a night. There's something about it that's just kind of, uh, for me and likely most other DJs, like exciting. Yeah. And I'm sure like podcasts, right? Like this sense of kind of adrenaline and like, yeah, like curating something, content, whatever it may be that's influencing behavior or mm-hmm. excitement or uh, intellect, whatever it may be. What would you say the biggest thing you learned about yourself as a DJ? Was there a skill that you didn't know you had in you? Did you have a personality that came out when you were DJing? What's something that it taught you? Confidence period. <laughs> that That's a good answer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, all way more than anything else. Like I said, kind of going back to seventh grade, first time ever, you know, my dad helped me set up, brought all the equipment for my middle school dance, set it up for me, like kind of showed me the ropes. Like I had roadied with him a few times, but I'd never done it myself. Right. It was my own middle school dance, set it up, did it like from then on. I held my chest higher, spoke a little louder and just realized, you know, you can, first off, you can do whatever you want. Second mm-hmm. off, you can be an expert at whatever you want to be. Just spend some time at it. And yep. three, when you're performing or like you're in front of people, there's not a single other person out there that probably be able to come up, do what you do and like have the confidence with it. And like knowing you can, you have that, you have that ability to do that. It allows like today, you know, I didn't, without even second thought, it's like, all right, let's talk to him, you know, see how this goes. You know, it's, uh, it's just been, it's been a big in the rest of my life, you know, football, sports, leading folks, whatever, uh, uh, you know, work, helping folks, uh, you know, whatever it may be, kind of just being able to take on whatever it may be, like what's going on now and mm-hmm. what will likely happen in the future, you know. Sports played a big part in your life. Were you someone that saw it as something towards the future, like a dream job? Or what was that dream job that you were wanting? Growing up, I had a book custom made for me. Like I was a little baby, right? Uh, I don't know if I was, I can't remember the exact story, but I was born pretty close around like the Green Bay Cowboys game back in the day like in 1995 and it was like a big championship game I don't remember exactly where this so don't quote me but um, anyways I was born they my parents made this like cowboy it may not even be my parents somebody made it for me that was like you know Cody on the Cowboys from then on like football like that was just something in my life like I was always big always encouraged to play sports uh Played on played on some really good teams, you know, kind of growing up. And uh, the, my dad's got a great story from the first time I played. It was just uh, – I wanted to be the quarterback, right, go out there. They're like – coach is like, all right, what position do you want to play? I was like, you know, I want to play quarterback. And he gives me the ball and he said, 
hits me on the back of the helmet, says, get down. You're going to play center, kid. You know, or like <laughs> something like that. I'm like, oh, you know. But, uh, you know, sports, is, sports has been huge for me. It's very, you know, for me, I learned also, you know, with the confidence, like to keep growing, keep doing my thing. You know, uh, unfortunately, like I had some injuries. It just kind of deterred anything for too long, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but being able, you know, I was being recruited. got to go on a few recruiting, like official recruiting trips. Uh, this was all before NIL, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, I wish I could have gotten paid and had some more like, you know, at least take a cool T-shirt home or like take a picture in some of that like jerseys like the guys do now or have graphics made for me but i was a little pre that um i had uh, my senior year i got cut pretty low and i compressed a few vertebrae in my neck and probably had a concussion couldn't feel things in my uh like fingers and toes and kind of just like that was it like a lot of the recruiting stopped uh, and then air force picked me up and i had the chance to go play they had a prep school did it and uh, it allowed me to like going from a family of DJs to the military academy. Let me tell you, a big difference. Big difference. Yeah, <laughs> big difference. So, um, football, sports in general, like they'll always have uh, a place in my daily vocabulary routine, yeah. whatever it may be. Especially after like getting my my shoulders going to be fixed. You know, I'm gonna feel good. Shout out to diabetes for max out of pocket very early. Uh, so I got a free, you know, my shoulder surgery paid for. Uh, but yeah, sports has played a huge role in life and just getting me to where I am and helping kind of create the, you know, as a captain and just doing other things, like you kind of learn how to lead folks and like keep people positive and, and honestly, the power of positivity. Yep. You know, no matter what's going on, like just keep on trucking. So. Uh, I wish I could have played longer, you know? I It's always one of those things where, with injuries, for me, I had a big back injury, but also mine came after getting thrown off a trampoline too. And oh. it kind of stopped me from playing for a while. And like, yeah. even today, I'm still stretching because I'm that's just been my routine. But I always wonder if I continued playing, like what what, if? What, what would be my future yeah. would i still be in sports would i be yeah. in a different shape things like that yeah. so it's always those things what ifs you never know yeah. and i'm always taking that injury and not letting it stop me but now trying to pick it back up in a way cuz there was mm-hmm. that time where i was just not into sports or anything or kind of getting judged cuz People in college look at you and you're like, oh, you're not athletic. But then that's why I called myself a wild card because you never know what I'm going to be like on the field. And then they see me on the field and they're like, oh, we should have picked him first. So <laughs> yeah, I kind of use it as a secret weapon, but injuries just take a toll on people. Even yeah. you see now the probes, they mm-hmm. don't know what's next. You talked about military academy. Was the, being in the military ever an idea or was it more about the discipline and the things the military academy teaches a person that you were taking on? Not the discipline, (laughs) not the discipline, uh, definitely more 
the opportunity. Okay. Okay. So my parents did well. They were able to help me with college, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I had a sense of pride. Like I, you know, really, I was, I really enjoyed being recruited, but I didn't end up getting as much towards the end. Right. So I got Mm -hmm. left with, shouldn't say left. I was given, had the opportunity to go to the air force Academy and play football. Right. Yep. Uh, It presented an incredible future. Like honestly, compared to no offense, you know, like going to community college, which I did, by the way. Mm-hmm. So not, you know, dragging it in the mud by any means, but imagine Air Force Academy, we train you to be a leader in the, you know, finest Air Force in the world. And uh, a lot of them, you know, they, they push you being a leader. Like <laughs> I walked in, they took one look at me. I'll never forget. Her name was Master Sergeant Sally M. Wahara. She was maybe five foot tall. <laughs> And she looked at me, I'm six foot seven. She looked at me and she said, Oh, you think you're an athlete, huh? <laughs> you think you're an athlete. She's like, watch this, strike the Heisman, strike the Heisman. And I, you know, that was my first impression of the Academy. Like it was, anyways, I digress. It was just an incredible future. If you look at any of the guys that, or girls that I was able to meet in that experience, they're all doing incredible things, uh, you know, off the back of it, back of the cuff. One of my really close ones, uh, he's finished, went through the whole school, got the ring. Uh, Stephen Bradford, shout out to my boy. Uh, he's flying jets around the world and doing cool ass shit all the time. You wow. Know? Uh, I've got, you know, other friends that, you know, maybe we're not as close. We don't talk as much. Right. But like just following them on social media, multiple are in the space force you know how mm-hmm. cool is that they're they're captains you know they're officers in this air force in the space force they're flying planes they're doing like really cool stuff um not to brag on anything that you know anyone else does but it just lines you up for such a great future right and it's not promised it's earned and i figured i could earn it but mm-hmm. when i had the I have history of concussions. I had multiple before I even got there. Um, you know, that kind of unfortunately ended everything for me, but it was an incredible experience, humbling uh, experience, but also, you know, a time where I got through basic training, like got through a lot. I didn't mm-hmm. finish, you know, but it was very rewarding. I can only imagine like where I'd be, you know, not that it's bad where I am, but where I would be if I or had stayed in or like been able to finish. But all in all, met some great people. Definitely. I think college is one of those places where you meet people that end up being long-term. And that's just my opinion. I mean, mm. I wish I was talking still some people from high school, but after you leave high school, you're kind of all going in 20 different directions. And then college, you're like living with these people 24-7. And so you build that relationship. Something you mentioned was you joined a fraternity. And for you and I, we both went through a fraternity situation, but I went as a diabetic. You didn't go as a diabetic. So our experiences could be a little bit different. Talk about that experience and the different kind of lifestyle that did it change who you were as a person 
or were you still the same Cody that everyone knew? Being in the fraternity or type one? Be, being in the fraternity. We'll talk about okay. type one later. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Um, obviously, fraternity at the University of Arkansas compared to basic training and learning how to be an officer at the Air Force Academy are very different situations and environments. Yes. Um, going through Rush and going to Arkansas was ridiculous. Uh, I have never, you know, you see it on TV, see it on social media. Well, I can't remember. I think it was like total frat move or something like that was really big. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, on YouTube, you know, like you'd watch videos like project X, like those kind of things, you know, were in mainstream media, like hyping up what everything was. Um, it didn't disappoint. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I met a lot of great guys. Um, you know, really some lifelong friendships too there. It's a very different struggle. It's a very different uh, bond, but it's still an incredible one. Uh, and not only are you tied to that, but you're tied to a lot of the other, like your alumni, like it's a different, you know, I didn't finish the Air Force, Air Force Academy, so I don't have the ring. I never, I'll, I'll never have that clout, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am like a brother, you know, so yeah. We always will have that, not only at Arkansas, but like if I was running to someone who was a Fiji, uh, you know, we'd be able like, oh, no way, you know, and we'd have things we could talk about instantly, just like diabetes. Yes. Just because of our experience. And I don't think it changed me. Uh, I think it sharpened, right? Like just more kind of stuff to deal with and like things to grow through and then a lot of fun to have. Uh, So I, I, I would say having the confidence I had and then it kind of grew throughout all that stuff and made some good friends and had great times. So hearing each part of your story so far, confidence has played a big part where each step you took more confidence happened and where you were able to continue to be yourself. Do you feel that that confidence is still with you today where you're always exceeding the competence level because you're still growing as an individual, but no matter what you face, you're going to stand tall and tackle it head on. Yeah. Uh, every day, honestly, I would love to say yes, but <laughs> you know, uh, you have your good days and you have your bad days overall. Yeah. Hell yeah. You know, I think I try and will always feel confident. Right. There's also days, I mean, with a lot of the stuff going on, looking in the future, listening to the news, doing whatever the heck's going on as a really millennial, right. Trying to figure out, like I live at my in-laws house. Like I'm trying to buy a house. Like it's so expensive. You know, I want to start like whatever that next chapter is with my wife, like get our own place. You know, we have our own struggles and then it all kind of adds up. So sometimes it's tough to have it, but the majority of the time, it's kind of like a reminder, you know, like look in the mirror, you got this, you know, you can do this. Like you are confident and just smile and keep going. So I'm going to age us because you kind of gave me a clue on how old you are. And we, I think we're actually the same age. Yeah. So you were born in 95. Yeah. I was born in 95. So it brings up a great conversation with diabetes because with us being the same age, you and I had different times where we both got diagnosed, where Mm -hmm. I was 10 when I got diagnosed 
and you are 25? Six. 26. So there's about a 15 year, 15, 16 year difference when we both got diagnosed. Yeah. Looking at your journey, do you feel that when you got it at the time that you are, it was the right time? Or do you feel that you wish that you got older to kind of really experience, gain even more knowledge to where you are as an adult? you have a better idea on how to take care of it and things like that. Because a lot of diabetics, it's different answers. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I would say, first off, I wish type one diabetes on no one. That's true. I agree with right? that statement. Yes. Right? Uh, I don't think anyone wants it at any point in time, nor do I ever wish it upon anyone else because it is a silent homie on your shoulder, you know? Yes. Always there. Always got to think about it, no matter what you got going on. Like you always got to be thinking about it. Okay, I'm glad I had. I'm glad I got it now, because I couldn't imagine. You know, like you said, you got it when you're 10, right? Yep. That was what 16 years ago for us. If we're same age, yeah. Um, I couldn't imagine all the finger pricking, the like paper mapping like trying to understand with insulin pins and probably like syringes not even insulin pins uh a tracking b understanding and then also like i guess probably dealing with your parents dealing like managing it with you too yep uh for me i was a grown-ass man i got it luckily technology has been like what's (laughs) out there right now wow you know i i'm blessed that I can get it, A, B, afford it, you know, like have it. Uh, but I couldn't imagine like that journey. Um, I also took it very serious when I found out about it, you know. So um, trying to learn how to handle it, manage it. You know, I was at that age to understand like this is a long term. You've got to mm-hmm. buy in. This ain't going anywhere. Um, and shout out to my, I guess you call my brother-in-law. He married my wife's sister. He got type one diabetes maybe a year or two before me and he was awesome to like lean on. So we always, you know, kind of joke the sweet Smith sisters gave us type (laughs) one diabetes. Uh, So we give, we give the girl's dad a little bit of shit for it. (laughs) I think you brought up something, a good point where at my age, trying to learn all this stuff. I was also in the hospital a week before with bacterial meningitis. So dealing with my spine. So I'm already in the hospital for a week. And then they throw, oh, you're you're a type one diabetic. I'm like, huh? And so spending another week and having to take a big responsibility and it's a lot of stress on me, but even my family. And now living on my own, it's like, I'm even more careful because I don't have anyone here. So I've had moments where, whoa, in the middle of the night and I'm by myself and I have to walk down my steps. I'm running into my wall, things falling down my steps, things like that, but I have to deal with it and Mm -hmm. there's nothing else I can do, but technology definitely, because now I just have this just hanging on me all day long and before it was just the the pens yeah. where i'm just stabbing myself yeah. with a pen all day i yeah. mean i've gone back and forth but it's taught me a lot what's the biggest thing diabetes has taught you about yourself we kind of said confidence was before but what yeah, is something different no, totally diabetes has different. Taught you? 
totally different situation with diabetes. Diabetes is more, um, self-awareness, introspection, you know, uh, truthfully, I, you know, worked hard, played hard, ate hard, you know, like I would do whatever. It didn't matter. You know, Sonny D, uh, you know, uh, whatever it may be, whether, you know, whether it was college, whether it was growing up, whatever, you know, I didn't even worry about it. Right. Mm-hmm. I am very conscious about at least understanding and like thinking, breaking down carbs in my head every time I'm eating something, you know? So I'm thinking about, okay, I ate this, where'd my blood sugar go? I could see it in the, kind of a data guy. I enjoy numbers. Mm-hmm. And so having, I got, I have a Dexcom. No, no promotion. Have a Dexcom. <laughs> no, no promotion. I have a tandem insulin pump. Uh, sign me if you want. Uh, <laughs> but they, uh, having those has been incredible. Like the obviously, like I would not be as good as I am with without it. When you look at the data and everything, since I've been tracking it, and it's it's just been really cool over a year. I got really, really, really good at it. Let me tell you. I got my A1C down to like six or seven points right away, like my mm-hmm. first checkup, right? And then after that, not that I got bad, but I've just noticed like the data is skewing a little higher, mm-hmm. right? It's almost like, okay, I got my gold badge, like I'm done. Uh, but what I've had kind of last time I looked at it, I don't remember what it was, maybe a couple of weeks ago. It was kind of a, okay, kick back in, like realize what's going on. Um just to get back on track. I mean, you know how it is. Yes. Always on your shoulder. Yes. And I love how you mentioned data because when I was first diagnosed, they gave me the calorie king book. And I don't know if any diabetic out there has read that. It's literally a guide of every food item, some of the top like chain restaurants and fast food places. And it tells you how many carbs are in the item. And my doctors would be like, my mom and I make a joke about this because we both hated that book. And I don't even look, I think I still own a copy and it's from like 2013 Mm -hmm. and I hated counting. And so nowadays, and my uh, A1C was so high for many, 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 many years. I'm like, I think I felt like I wasn't like accurate with carb counting And it takes an effect because if our blood sugars are not good, your body starts feeling it and it's struggling. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the last few years I've gotten so much better because I've eaten better. I kind of eat similar stuff. So I kind of don't need to count the car. Well, I count the carbs. I just know the carbs right off the bat because I don't have to like search it or anything. And it's just, it's just crazy how one extra unit changes your whole day yeah oh yeah like Mm -hmm. has there ever been a time where it's been stressful or struggling and you kind of i wouldn't say gave up but you had that give up mentality in life oh yeah um you know air force academy was hard Mm -hmm. uh i had head injuries that I was dealing with and it's hard to assess a head injury right and you want hard you know folks there and they're going to get through everything and they're going to do what they need to do right well I just I had an issue like I could not get through it I was depressed I was 
in a migraine hell all the time. I I couldn't go outside. Like my eyes would hurt. But I had I had, a, I had a concussion. I had traumatic brain injury. Like I had an issue. Um, I just couldn't keep up. You know, academic probation. I wasn't playing football. Like just dealing with the military stuff, and like that wasn't what I went there for. And I didn't know if I could play ball anymore. So felt like giving up. Um, you know, all in all, I don't think I gave up. You know, I, I think, you know, I, I did have an issue. I had a traumatic brain injury. Mm-hmm. You know, I was let go. Like I went home and, you know, for a couple months there, like I just was not sure what was next, like going through recovery from that concussion and like just didn't want to get out of bed, didn't want to go, like was out of school. You know, I was this division one tight end, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so going home and guess what got involved with party time, started DJing, uh, you know, after I kind of snapped out of it, it took me about like five and a half months to really like get out of the, and like have the spirit back and like have the mentality and confidence back. Right. Uh, but after that, you know, like I said, went back to school, started DJing and ended up at Arkansas and that was it. So there is a, there is always uh, light in the darkness, right? Mm-hmm. If you can find it, it can get bigger. How has your wife been supportive with you and diabetes? Uh, incredible. Just like in everything else. Uh, I, if, if you were looking at like our doctors or like emergency, so I've done a lot of emergency contact stuff lately because <laughs> of surgery. Yep. And I just write trophy wife. And it's funny because they will call trophy wife, you know, and like, Hey, are you the emergency contact for like Cody Berholtz? He's ready to go, you know, whatever it is. And I, or it's on the paperwork, like the official surgery paperwork, like trophy wife and then her number. Um, anyways, I, she's, she's been really supportive. Uh, she does something that a lot of people can't do. They don't have the patience. They don't have the heart. They don't have the, want to they don't have the leadership ability they don't have the empathy that she does uh but you know going back to my possibilities um it is kind of continuing education for adults with disabilities incredible place right Mm -hmm. uh they would probably prefer we describe it somehow else but um what she does and like leads that place. It's really incredible. And then her abilities there transfer obviously home and like through whatever situations we're going through. And she diabetes happened, bro. She carried 230 pounds on her back into the emergency room. Right. Wow. Yeah. Like she, she helped me get there and unfortunately it was during COVID. So like she couldn't go in there. And Mm -hmm. so she was just waiting in the rental car, uh, you know, while I was sleeping, getting hydration and then waking up to, Hey man, you got type one diabetes. Uh, so when she found out, I mean, it was like gung ho, we got everything done. Like we were in, okay. We we're in Florida again. So like none of our family are there. So we just had each other. We got through it. Mm-hmm. It was during COVID. Um, and she's helped dieting. She's helped, uh, you know, encourage better habits. Like it's, there's a lot. Um, and she's always, uh, you know, do you have a Dexcom? So I used to have a Dexcom, but now I have the okay. uh, freestyle Libra. 
Okay. Right. But maybe you can do the same thing where like they can share your yep. blood sugar. So like, you know, that was like probably the first thing that she did with my phone <laughs> when I got a Dexcom was she you know, share the information and it's just been right there next to me, like helping me get through it. Always reminds me, say I forget to give myself insulin, um, encourages good behaviors, you know, with like eating and dieting and exercise. So uh, with a lot of other things, like there's a reason she's my trophy wife. Aww. <laughs> I think it's so important to have those support systems in a way, especially with families. They may not understand what we're going through, but I think it's all about the education from us as the diabetics to be able to help them teach them the signs to so that if they see something or hear something that for us, it's like we rather them say something than not mm-hmm. say something. Like my mom and I joke, not joke, but if she notices that I sound like I've been drinking a lot, she kind of on the phone, she's like, oh, are you low blood sugar? And I go, no, I'm fine. Most <laughs> of the time then if I go check, maybe I'm low and sometimes I'm normal. But she just has been aware for so long that if I sound yeah. drunk, that most yeah. likely there's something going on. and. Wow. To me, I'd rather her say something than not say something at all. And then her like regret not telling me before. And even with friends, even living in college, um, joined a fraternity, drinking and stuff. I kind of stayed back in a way. I'm like, I'm not going to be the party animal. Yeah, I had fun. I did drink, but I wanted to make sure no one, I wasn't ruining people's fun. But I've had those friends where they're checking on me and stuff. And that just shows you the real friendships. How has that been for educating other people for you? Has it been an easy process or has it been kind of challenging because maybe they don't understand what we're feeling? Yeah. Uh, So depends on who you're talking to, right? That's so true. Depends on who you're educating. Uh, everybody either a wants you know wants to be educated or is listening because they support you yeah or c they're nodding their head and smiling <laughs> you know uh so that was one what you explained about supporting and understanding and willing to learn and like yep. watch signs for that's my wife 100 percent. obviously she, i mean she should stay obviously she's with me all the time like she's been there since you know, I got diagnosed, like she knows, right. We, you know, all these for weeks, I was like, Oh, my mouth is so dry. I need, you know, mouth watering wits, like mints and all these different things. Like she knows all the signs, everything. Um, But there's also others, you know, like we talked about that are interested, but it's hard to, sink in you know it's so Mm -hmm. detailed and it's so different and there's kind of like a i'll say biased like a social bias of like what diabetes is and like what causes it and just thinking wrapping one and two and like pre-diabetes all in one diabetic package of understanding and like uh, biases right Mm -hmm. so there's an element of deconstruction education or like deconstructive education to then re-educate. And that person that you're talking to has to be willing to like break down those wrongs almost, or like misunderstandings to then build the Mac ups. You need like double attention. Yeah. Uh, so 
some people that really like I guess where I was going with this is the people that really give a care <laughs> they're going to be willing to listen and they're going to learn because yep. they want to those who don't will feel sorry and like wish you the best and let me know if I can do anything for you you know like that kind of stuff or like nod their head and then you know just never truthfully understand so um, it's a mixed bag you know but I've noticed the ones that really listen and try and understand are the ones that honestly I probably want to be closest to yeah no I agree because I look at that as they care I mean if I look at my friends if they're asking me I rather my friends ask me all these questions than don't Mm -hmm. ask right because I I always say I'll answer like I'm an open book just ask yeah if i I think that's sorry i I was gonna say one thing that you have right being 10 years old and having it is you have like this core group of friends that always like that's bad right always know you (laughs) as having diabetes right no you're exactly right so they have like an experience of growing up with you for me i'm not you know i'm social but i'm not like social media social all the time yeah you know i don't post a lot i'm not you know screaming from the trees i have type 1 diabetes i you know that's not what i do right <laughs> but when i see people it's like hey what's going on you're like what's new like, well you know type 1 diabetes you're like oh sorry you know let me just keep <laughs> going and i get it yeah but you know like you said if Hey, we're friends. Like maybe I haven't seen you since the Air Force. I mean, like if I tell you like I have type one diabetes, like I would hope you go, oh yeah, you know, like tell me more. Like I want to know more. Like I have a family member. Like this is how like my relation to it, or you know, asking questions because it, it, like you said, I think it means more when someone genuinely tries to understand it. I've had an interesting experiences last year where I interviewed a guy for my show who was a type one diabetic. And that was maybe a year ago, a year and a half ago. And now he's my boss. And so, and I work from home. And so anytime yeah. I'm like away or I'm like, hold on, I can't, I'm taking care of low. He's like, okay. Like he understands like what mm-hmm. that's going through. So it's like having those people even in a workplace that understand same way but like you said like my core friends right now they've only known me as a diabetic because I had it before I met them and so to me it's definitely with diabetes people feel like that's my identity and I did a post about something about this where oh sometimes I feel like giving up because that's my identity but to me I'm just a normal person like if you take that, the insulin pump off me, I'm still Alex. Like nothing's going to change. I just have to do a few extra things. And other people, if they're having a condition or they have certain things that like routines and stuff, they're still that normal person. They just Mm -hmm. have to do a little bit extra. So for for my big thing is I don't like when people say, and I don't know if you get this. Well, my family says, oh, well, you can't have that. Oh, you can't eat that. And I go, who said I couldn't eat that? I didn't say I couldn't eat it. I just choose not to eat it because I'm looking at my health. And you mentioned the Sunny D. Do you still have Sunny D now? Uh, No, no, I moved (laughs) on for those days. Uh, If there was a sugar-free version, you would. uh, Yeah, it's very likely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So you talked about you just went through shoulder surgery. When you recover and you're you're feeling better, what's the first thing you want to do? Shoot a basketball. Okay. <laughs> Easy enough. 
Yeah. <laughs> Going I love, for those three pointers. Yeah. Oh no, 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 no. Yeah. I, I, I uh give me give me the free throw line. That's where I'm trying <laughs> to be my best. Recreational, like mit, you know, men's basketball, get fouled all the time. <laughs> I'm gonna make those free throws count. Like that's what I want to do. Uh but yeah, starting out, like you know, I used to when I was working at West Florida mm-hmm. every day grab a basketball because I worked in the gym right yep. so like I thought hey I got 10-15 minutes like I'm just gonna go in my you know slacks and a polo like just go shoot some hoops like it's a release for me right mm-hmm. well my right shoulder it's the one that's fixed now like that's my shooting hand I'm trying to learn my left but it's more difficult than you'd think <laughs> I always wonder I'm like I when you mentioned I'm like how do I shoot a basketball and I'm like I'm like right-handed but I shoot yeah left hand it's just and yeah. i'm thinking that's just that does not feel comfortable for me yeah. everyone's just gonna be listening they're just gonna start like acting mm-hmm. like they're shooting basketball now yeah. <laughs> if they're listening audio they're probably doing the same thing oh yeah it's like oh yeah shoulders are these out oh yeah you can't do that yeah. yep <laughs> so what does the future look like for you what are you hoping to accomplish in the next few years both personally and professionally that is deep. Uh, the toughest forward. question you'll be asked. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I hope every year I just can see it as positive, staying confident. You know, like I don't really know what the future holds right now. There's a lot, yeah. you know, going on. Uh, you know, my wife and I have aspirations of a lot of different things. It's just, you know, right now we're we've got a great plan. We're just kind of laying low, saving money, figuring it out, taking it one day at a time. Uh, so, you know, like I said, I think just continually to grow positively, get more involved, like say maybe in the community here before, you know, like if we move out of this area, like I grew up here, so it's kind of cool to like give back mm-hmm. uh, if I can, you know, I feel like I've got some experiences that I could share with like, say a high school, you know, player or whatever, whatever it may be, like help the football team, like just watch, kind of get back to the community that I grew from um, and just make a decision for, you know, like my wife and I, like what's next, you know? So I guess tangible things, uh, 10 for 10 free throws (laughs) uh, in a row, Uh, other tangible things, you know, like 10, 15, maybe even 20, 25 pushups in a row, like, that would be great, you know, uh, within a year, have my shoulder back, uh, get back to a CrossFit now. So like get back right. kind of into doing that. And uh, I said some pretty good stuff pre-surgery and that was pre, you know, that was with a hundred percent torn rotator cuff and a tear in my labrum. So like, what could I, now that it's fixed, like, what can I get back to, you know? So, you know, push myself there and maybe learn a new hobby. Yeah. Kind of cool. I've always kind of wanted to do the ukulele, but I just never have given it enough attention. So I always think like big guys with ukuleles are really cool and funny. You'll never see that. No, no. So, you talked, you talked about fitness and what being like, I look at the first 10, uh, we'll go first 14 years of being a diabetic and my fitness was horrible. And these last two years, I kind of changed my life. And you mentioned the push-ups. I could be lucky if I did 10 push-ups and not feel like I'm going to pass out. Now I'm at that stage where I can do 30 and then I pass out. And so it's, it's like, 
why now am I like, I need to do this? And it's like, why couldn't I start this years ago? I think it's just a mental thing. Uh-huh. I, I think that's the biggest thing. And definitely with you coming off the surgery, you're having that mental kind of mindset of what can I do now that I wasn't able to do before? And that's, that's like a rise to the challenge right there because you have a challenge in mind and you're going to rise to accomplish it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, uh, got a great coach. We're already doing some things like, Oh, my legs are sore. You know, we didn't do anything <laughs> with my shoulder, but we did a whole lot of body weight, like strengthening the legs. I was like, Oh man, really? We're doing this. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you, man. I, there's a lot to overcome and just keep going. So, um, Excited to have my shoulder back. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you that big question before the recording. People probably didn't know he, you asked about this question that I'm about to ask you. So the final question I'm going to ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals and rise to the challenge? All right, I'm going to name the roller coaster rise to the challenge. <laughs> uh, the trademark in that. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be pretty damn corny, but uh, with your ups, you have your downs. Yep. As great as it can be, it can be just as bad. Uh, and it can be just as bad as hopefully it will be just as good, you know? Yep. Um, I'm a true believer in karma and just, I guess, let's say waves. Uh, and I do believe that as low as it may get, there's going to be positive. You just keep, like I said, if there's a little bit of light, go for it. It'll grow. Yep. You know, um, I think confidence is key and just knowing that better days are coming. Uh, it's truthfully true. It's not, you're not, you're not running a, uh, what is it? A relay, a sprint, like you're running a marathon, right. Yep. With life. So just, you know, when you need to put your head down grind, lean on the people that you have closest and uh, you can rise to any challenge you need to. Well, Cody, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe to all major audio platforms. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the full-length episode in video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.